dumb fun. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast with Andy and Steph. Welcome in to Hello. Musical the Movie the Podcast, Muth Moth Poe, as it's Muth sometimes Moth known. Wow, uh, that was, that's so, thank you. I'm grateful for you in this moment. <laughs> well, that's your Christmas and birthday present. It's uh, episode nine, Steph. Wow, we're really yeah. doing her. We just uh, hung out with a uh, friend of the show, your mother, uh, <laughs> over, the, uh, over the holiday. I mentioned on the Rocky Horror episode that I think it's funny that she's... Not funny, but just sort of antithetical that she's like very into Christianity, but also very into Rocky Horror Picture Show. And Mm -hmm. she told me that it's not, in fact, antithetical, that it's just a jump to the left. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. Chris Smith, ladies and gentlemen. Shout out to Chris Smith. But uh, we're not here to talk about Chris Smith. We're here to talk about Chris Miss. (laughs) In fact, just a a little, actually, I mean, if I may, it's just a little jump to the left of Chris Smith. That's right. In fact, it's we're we're right in between Christmas and Halloween right now, and that's why we're doing this episode today. This episode, which is of course Tim Burton's Henry Selick's The Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> Aw, that's so nice of you. Yeah, he deserves it, right? Right, he really does. He, if you don't know, let's just jump, let's just mention that right off the bat. Tim Burton did not direct this movie, like a lot of people think. Shocked. So I guess I want to. I it, it's important to me to cite my sources and so i want to say that we did watch the episode of the movies that made us uh on netflix that feature about nightmare before christmas and high big recommend um but so we learned all this sort of like it's it features really great interviews with all of the people who did actually make this movie um None of whom are Tim Burton. I, I do want to mention, I, you know, I did know that earlier because I was the type of asshole in my early 20s who organized my DVDs alphabetically by director. <laughs> and so I did know that Henry Selick directed this movie, but it was a shock to me when I organized my DVDs that day. Stuff. Shock. Um, shock, I say. So why don't you, uh, speaking of your mom, why don't you tell us a little bit about your relationship to A Nightmare <laughs> Before Christmas? So I was thinking about this. I think it's it's mm-hmm. sort of... There, there, I have a direct relationship and an indirect relationship. My direct relationship is um, that I did see the first, I'm going to say, 15 minutes of this movie in theaters with my mom and my sister in 1993, um, which put me at like six years old and my sister at like four, which is too young, too young for this movie. And so we walked out and saw like Beethoven's second or whatever was playing <laughs> in the next theater. Then I... Like, I truly don't remember the next time I saw it because my indirect relationship is that, like, I am a millennial. And so my hot topic experience is, like, 60% Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, it's just sort of... It's Big just devil sort horns of being thrown up by our guest on it who insisted on being <laughs> muted for this part. I mean, I'm really looking forward to talking with this group of people who have, I'm sure, the same indirect relationship. Sure. Um, what about you? I mean, I do. So I also remember seeing this movie in theaters. I would have been nine years old uh, when this dropped. And I I, I don't. So I remember seeing it in theaters and not really thinking about it that much for the next few years. But then in 2005, I met Disneyland in L.A. And I'm just looking around. I'm like, there's a lot of Nightmare Before Christmas stuff in this gift shop, you know. And I just realized that it was like really becoming a thing that like, even though 
a lot of us sort of saw it and didn't think much about it in 1993 or in the intervening years. Like it really became this cult classic to the point where now you can't walk through a CVS you know, <laughs> from, you know, September through January without seeing Jack Skellington everywhere. I mean, also to the point where like, if, Again, mm-hmm. this is an audio. I, I think my thing is going to be to insert like a visual reference into every episode of this audio medium that we produce. Um, but if Andy were to tilt his camera just like a little bit to like, there's an actual Jack Skellington behind him. Like, well, so let me let me talk about that. <laughs> my show, Character Assassination, the the character roast. We did a roast of Tim Burton uh, in Louisville and uh, to a lesser degree in Chicago. But uh, <laughs> we, I, I I wanted to play Jack Skellington, but when I looked at people in costume as Jack Skellington, it always looks wrong. Even the Disney (laughs) characters in the park, they look wrong. I think it's because they have eyes. It's also because they're not seven to eight feet tall and skinny as a needle, as Britney Spears would say. one to two inch around, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. And so I had this vision that I insisted on making Lauren Klein, our our friend of the uh, character assassination, to, to make for me. Uh, which was, uh, so what you can't see on this puppet is that it's attached to a helmet uh, with green duct tape all over it. And I paired that with a green, just skin tight morph suit. Uh, and, I w- and I puppeted him. They put, I, Lauren put little uh, like Kermit the Frog sticks on his hands and I puppeted his hands and wore him suspended from my helmet in front of me <laughs> and kept insisting that I would be CGI'd out yeah, later, even though this was a live show. It makes no <laughs> sense. But I did uh, also get on Louisville Morning Television uh, in this costume. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, and uh, I'll share the picture when I'm promoting this so this on Twitter and Facebook <laughs> and stuff. But uh, I my one biggest regret is that I did not go in front of the green screen where they do weather. Truly, and, how dare you? <laughs> which, which is blue screen now, or no? It's green screen now. People do green screen now, so I, it's, yeah, it's it green screen. It used worked. to be blue screen. Yeah, but uh, so I played him then. I played him again last year when we did a roast of Halloween, and sort of my my angle on him when I played him the first time for the roast of Tim Burton was that he comes to our world. He he sees temples that are built to him because that's CVS, and he thinks CVS is like a <laughs> temple that's built to him, and he like writes this whole thing about how he hasn't seen a scent of that merchandising and so he's gonna get out he's gonna get tim burton and all of his creations there and roast them and that was like the Great. premise of the show who needs it but uh yeah <laughs> so so I, it's something that i've really like come to like be a part be a part of me since playing him because i love doing his voice he's so dramatic he is just oh, yelling God. things from time to time <laughs> and, it's, and, and it's and like how chris sarandon had to match that like uh-huh. wh- whatever danny elfman is doing it's pretty seamless which is impressive it's so i was i was actively listening for it and you yeah. can't hear it you can't hear a seam uh well so why don't we bring in our guests to talk about it stuff yeah here are the things that i know about lauren Kaminsky. okay um she is just a beast of a stage manager for a uh, really well-known chicago uh, staple show paper machete um and she just makes that thing like smooth like butter she went to a uh summer shakespeare program that i also went to out of appleton wisconsin um end of list those are the <laughs> things that i know about lauren kapinski lauren kapinski is here ladies and gentlemen yay welcome <laughs> how's it going lauren hello it's going really well that's uh that's spot on stuff that's really all we need to know oh great <laughs> so 
Lauren and I have this connection from this uh, Shakespeare program that like we discovered recently. Um, mm-hmm. But what I really want to highlight is that like I knew you as a stage manager first, and like of all, I mean anyone who does any sort and, of oh, performance, paper machete, not it, not yeah, 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 oh, importantly, right, yeah. Um, and anyone who does any sort of live performance like knows how important a good stage manager is, and just like. Mm-hmm. Watching you do that is so impressive, and it's such a thankless job. So I just want to make sure that we have a moment to like thank you for your diligent, beautiful work. Thank you so Absolutely. much. It's that kind of thing where you both want to like be in the background and not be seen at all. But when people take the moment to say that, it just means a lot. I, I respect mm-hmm. that about you too, Steph. Yeah. To see you uh, in character assassination, making it all happen. Oh, thank you. Oh, I see. oh yeah, Steph was milking for compliments yeah, about her character I, assassination I, I, I stage just, like, management. <laughs> Game respects game. <laughs> so Lauren is our, you know, our theater guest. You know, although again, we're sort of double dipping on both of our guests because Lauren stage manages a comedy show and she has a history in theater. Our other guest uh, has written a play. Again, I think our second guest Many. to have written a play, <laughs> uh, as well as uh, a novel, uh, as well as uh, stand-up comedy. Uh, sketches. She's one of my uh, favorite funny people in the world. And we do a podcast together called Fanny Falls Demon Hunter, uh, our po- our sister podcast on the Dumb Fun family of podcasts. It's Stephanie Weber, everybody. Hey, Woo-hoo! Stephanie. I am the one hiding under your bed. Tee-hee-hee. It's <laughs> Stephanie time. <laughs> Hello, listeners. It's me. Stephanie, what's the name of the play you wrote? Um, I've written many plays. What? Which one? Oh, what are you bad. thinking of? I'm thinking of the one about the video store. Oh, it's called Bleak. If Bleak. anyone, if please, if anyone wants to re- do it again, it's my. It's actually my favorite thing I've ever written. I I absolutely love that play. Um, and I did develop a pilot version of it, and that pilot is available to watch on Open TV. Ooh. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, well. Let's uh, let's jump into nightmare and let's uh, let me start by let me start by asking you, Stephanie. What is your so when I went to you, you know, and started when I started this podcast, you were one of the first people I went to and said, uh, you know, what movies would you want to come on and yes. talk about? And classic Stephanie Weber, you told me some things I had never heard of in my life. <laughs> the Apple, like, <laughs> Santa Claus, the musical. Uh, no, no, uh, no, no, no. The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, which <laughs> is worth it. It is okay. worth it. It's unbelievable. I know that. Oh, we're not here to talk. Oh, we're not here to talk about that. We're not here to talk about that today. But I'm telling you, it is based on a book by uh, Frank L. Baum, the guy that wrote Wizard of Oz, and mm-hmm. it tells, it explains every single Christmas tradition without Christianity. So there's like dragons. There's like a sort of immortality. There's it's, there's like trolls. It's it's crazy. Well, Sounds like delay. it's what we're doing next Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I was just uh, gonna say who I got a date yeah, for yeah, twelve yeah, months yeah, from yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> but you also said that you love Nightmare Before Christmas, I and I, I, this is a weird thing to say, but I don't think of you as loving things. You're, <laughs> you know, you have. I'm, you have like, I'm, I'm logging off. You have a writer's healthy cynicism that I wish I could have, that I envy. And so the fact that you love Nightmare wow. Before Christmas uh, intrigued me. So, what is your relationship to this movie? Well, the things I love, I love, you know? Like, I am a Latina, I am passionate. <laughs> Pero, like, I I was a very spooky spooky girl, spooky little child. I loved Nightmare Before Christmas from the second I saw it. The moment 
the moment I saw Lambert for Christmas, and I must have been, I was young. I think I was in kindergarten when it came out. So I think I was like five or six, or at least the first time I saw it. I was obsessed. I watched it every single year. And then like other kids in school would tell me that it scared them. And I'd be like, how? This is amazing. (laughs) This is like little pumpkin guys, little skellies. They're they're all singing. They're talking. This is like a dream come true for me. So yeah, I have always unabashedly loved this. And I did also, you know, do the Hot Topic thing. I bought, I remember I had like my favorite hoodie had, you know, Jack, Jack Skellington on it, wore it all the time, was really, really just, just always loved it. There's, you know, the inner goth girl is still in there and this, this brings it out. Is this like a Morrissey thing where it's like huge with the Latina community? Yeah. Latinos are very spooky in very interesting ways. Like there is just like a celebration or like an acknowledgement of, of death and like a weird comfortability with it, you know, and like the different cultures have different different relationships with it you know um you know cubans are big into like santeria and stuff like that so you know Mm. we have our we all have our own fascinations with it i don't know look i'm not i'm not here to stereotype no and you know this about me i don't practice santeria but yes i know that no crystal ball but yeah most latinos are goths deep down inside like the show los spookies is basically that you know it's just like yeah we're here to be to be funny you heard of this yes 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 Okay. We're here. We're here. We're scary. Get used to it. <laughs> Don't be afraid of us. Better like here we are. Uh, Kapensky, what about you? Yeah. Um. I. So I was what three years old? I think when this came out. Way too young to be seeing this in a theater. Um. I think I. I started watching this. Maybe what two thousand two, um, two thousand three, early aughts. Um. And I think I came to it because there was a. The video game Kingdom Hearts. Have you guys ever played that? Oh, I'm glad we're getting into this early. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I was and I was a like a gamer nerd when I was um when I was in uh, like a teenager. And this was the spookiest thing in that game. I mean, there's a lot of creepy shit in that game, but this Let's well let's so let's talk about what Kingdom Hearts really is for a second. It's kinda like a melding of like an RPG like Final Fantasy with all these Disney characters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that sounds stupid, but it's actually a very fun, very good game. Oh, and the soundtrack to that game, my God, I had <laughs> that album. <laughs> so I I came to it from there, and I think there was this resurgence um, in the early two thousands where a lot of the angsty teenagers in Appleton, Wisconsin, were just clinging to this. It's the hot topic. It's the angst. It's the Lauren. I just realized know, that like we're thinking of the same hot topic. It's the same. <laughs> 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 you can smell the what was it? That's Auntie, so funny. Uh, Annie M's donuts. Auntie M's yeah. pretzels. The hot topic in the Orland Park Mall, which is where I did attend, and I did do um, <laughs> did do local shopping as a teen. Uh-huh. Um, one day I was walking past my beloved hot topic, and um, Rachel from Real World New York was working <gasps> there. And I what? looked at her. I looked at her, and I went, oh, and she was like, "Yeah." <laughs> like she didn't even. I didn't even get it out. And I remember she was from that area, so I was like, "Wow, she's she's here. She's working a hot topic." Wow, yeah. it's Damn, not like today wow. where like when you're on a reality show, you're kind of like set for life. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, this would have been like what, like 2002 or three or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was. Yeah, so I was a tween. So you, so you, I know that you don't like love Nightmare, but you definitely like Kingdom Hearts is where you sort of start to see it as a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I, I feel like a lot of my friends really got into it, and I was the one that was like, "Let's buck that tradition." Why is everyone so fucking into this? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do really enjoy the attention to detail um, and the kind of like ensemble cast and just 
the world building that isn't a you know sunshine and rainbows world i mm-hmm. i feel like there were so yeah. many musicals growing up that were just like picket fence americana and i was like mm-hmm. this is not that and that's what i really enjoyed about it you know or like america's idea of what uh agrabah yeah is like when in fact <laughs> in, in real life agrabah is not like that okay all right <laughs> you just rewatched it for this podcast and what did you i guess let's just talk broadly what did you think about it lauren i <sighs> So I watched it on Friday and I I just, I forgot how spooky it still is. It still Mm. freaks me out. Oogie Boogie is terrifying and I'm 32, (laughs) you know, like I, so that stood out. The music stood out. Um, I just, I think I was paying a lot more attention to like the plot and kind of like Jack's arc, um, and how it's kind of this fall. And I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that later, but you know, it's it's taking these characters. Uh, it struck me that there's a lot of Beetlejuice actors in this. Um, interesting. And you, interesting thought. You know, like, because Catherine O'Hara, mm-hmm. it's not, I mean, she's saying fine, but I remember her mostly from Beetlejuice first. So I feel like that, for me, that was pulling on um, all of these other movies that I didn't put together at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And seeing, because um, gosh, the mayor is also in Beetlejuice. Yeah, that was, this, this time watching it was the first time where I turned to Steph and I go, that's that guy from Beetlejuice. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, Glenn Haddix. Ah, <laughs> oh, there he is. Mm-hmm. Um, Good old Glenn. But yeah, there's even a, a little uh, black and white sand snake uh, mm-hmm. in the movie, too. So yeah, they're borrowing a lot of stuff. Steph, how often do you like revisit this? Is it yearly for you? Is it just every almost once in a while? Year, almost yearly for me. But I, I didn't, I don't think I watched it this year, but last year... Or the year before, I'd, I'd even went to like one of the COVID drive it, drive in movies, mm-hmm. and watched it. And I'm sitting there, I'm singing along. I know all the words. I'm having a good ass <laughs> time. I can watch it a million times over. I love it. I love this, love this story about being true to yourself and yourself as a skeleton. <laughs> and that rocks for me. You know, <laughs> that absolutely rocks. Well, let's. It goes uh... hard. I want to talk a little bit about um, the sort of history of the making of this movie, and then we'll get into the plot. But basically, as we touched on earlier, Tim Burton is working at Walt Disney as an animator, uh, along with Henry Selick, the director of this movie. And he writes this three-page poem called The Nightmare Before Christmas, and he intends to adapt it as a TV special, and he wants Vincent Price to narrate it. Uh, but he's like, oh, maybe it'll be a children's book or something else. And he brings it to Disney and they're like, oh, this is too weird. We can't work with this. And so Tim Burton's like, okay, I'm just going to go make Batman instead. <laughs> and I don't know if if modern day audiences have an appreciation for the fact that like Batman was not a guaranteed hit. Like comic mm-hmm. book movies were few and far between. Like Superman was the only big smash hit that had happened. But he makes Batman and he makes it a huge hit. Uh, with the music of Danny Elfman and with Prince, Prince, another. Those are two people that do two other great musicals: Forbidden Zone and Purple Rain. Wow! I mean, come on. Come and on. Under the Cherry Moon. All things we'll talk about. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, and but, Graffiti Bridge. Okay, keep going. <laughs> so he gets he gets Danny Elfman involved, and they uh, Danny Elfman writes these songs and sort of does all the temp tracks. And over the course of the temp tracks, realizes that he is very attached to Jack and wants to be Jack. So he goes after. Uh, eventually, they they decide to. I skipped a part, but basically they decide to, years later after Batman, he goes back to Disney and he's like, I want to make this a movie. You guys own it. 
you know, can I, can I buy it from you? And they're like, oh no, we'll just make it. We'll do anything. You made Batman. We'll do anything you want. And so they give him the power to make this movie. And he, because he's making Batman Returns, brings on his, his animator buddy, Henry Selig, who loves stop motion to direct it. They consider Vincent Price, Don Amici, and James Earl Jones for the uh, narration for the film's prologue, but they're all too difficult to get. And so instead they just get a local voice, art, voice artist guy, except on the soundtrack, it's Patrick Stewart. Which is weird. I don't remember Patrick, that. Don't Patrick Stewart that is not wow. in the movie. No, he's not. He in the also, movie um, like in the movie, we got like just sort of the first like stanza mm-hmm. of this poem. Mm-hmm. Um, but they on the soundtrack, Patrick Stewart like records the whole thing. Oh, cool! Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. But so that's kind of all I have about the making of this movie. I remember the trailer for this a lot, by the way. Like whenever there's a moment in the movie, I'm like, oh, that was in the trailer. That was in the trailer. Like oh, I must have seen this trailer a million times. You know, one thing yeah. I was thinking about was the way that, like, you know, how you knew the trailers that were on VHSs that you watched yeah. a lot. Like I uh-huh. bet that that's part of it. Like this trailer is got to be like on the VHS on for like, a Beauty and the Beast. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So this 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 videotape that we had had the trailer for the show Gargoyles on it. Oh. So I I also kind of I loosely associate Gargoyles <laughs> with Nightmare Before Christmas. That's really funny. So one thing I want to say, and you mentioned it, but like structurally speaking, the they have this poem, and they go from this poem to uh, this like song cycle, and then that. One thing that they talk about is that they have the songs and the songs themselves. Like, if you just do the songs, that's the story that they're trying to tell. And it like gets mm. all the exposition that you need in there. And so as they're trying to make it into a movie, they're, like, teasing out all of this stuff. And they, um, someone's girlfriend comes in. It's Danny Elfman's girlfriend, Caroline Thompson. Oh, And gotcha. she, one thing she does is, like, make the Sally character... That's true. Sort of more of, like, a person and, like, gives her all of her, like, witchiness, I think. Um, Um, Yeah, because the guy, they hired a guy, Michael McDowell, to write it. And he, the the way that the movies that made us tells it is that he snorts his advance up his nose and never writes a word of it. (laughs) Honestly, that's the dream. As a writer, as a writer, that's the dream. Yeah, true. You just want to get to that place. I just want to be paid to do something I never do. (laughs) (laughs) Like Carolyn Calloway. Yeah, it'd be amazing. <laughs> so yeah, but so then Caroline Thompson, who wrote Beetlejuice, they give her the script and she fleshes it out. And even though there's not a lot for her to do, because while they were waiting for the script, Danny Elfman just wrote all these songs based on Tim Burton telling him ideas for scenes. She fleshes out Sally and gives Sally a lot more to do, which is great. But oh, I also great. like, I love that from a musical movie perspective, too, because it mm-hmm. means that, like, the songs are the parts that are doing, like, the heavy lifting. And then all of the scenes in between are just, like, these really fun bits. Like, we get, like, those, I mean, we'll talk about them, but, like, you know, we, that's where we get, like, the trio of little uh, goblin. I don't know what they are. Lock, I, stock, and barrel. Lock, lock, stock, the trick or treaters. Yeah. Trick or treaters. Lock, stock, and barrel. <laughs> It's a weird part for Paul Rubens to have taken. I was thinking that too. <laughs> <laughs> I like, like it. Like Catherine O'Hara and Danny Elfman are both doing other voices in the movie, and Paul Rubens comes on just to voice Locke. He just like Good. wants to be at the cast party and like needs so. an in. I mean, do you think they gave him a choice? Were they like, which which of these three do you want? Well, like Locke, <laughs> Locke is, or apparently yeah. Locke is the leader. 
which is apparently fleshed out in Kingdom Hearts, Lauren, mm-hmm. that Locke is the leader of the trio. It fe- you can feel that when you see it because he's he stands up and he's making pronouncements okay. and stuff. He's getting sma- yeah. he's getting his mask smacked off by. Stock. Well, you see, mm-hmm. he's the he's the first banana. All right, this is comedy <laughs> rules. This is vaudeville rules, right? Okay. Right. And then who's is the wit the witch's barrel? What's what? What's, I think what, the witch's stock. Which is stocks, she's second. Barrel's the, the third. Barrel's, Barrel's the little tubby kid that rolls around and has a good time. <laughs> now he's making all the jokes. He's doing all the pratfalls. You know, slipping on a banana, if you will, if we're talking <laughs> purely academic vaudeville here. If we're talking purely <laughs> banana metaphors. <laughs> banana metaphors. And the banana theory holds weight with those three. <laughs> So fun to uh, catch stuff while she's in her MFA period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm in my grad school era, so I have to talk like this now. So, yeah, I have my glasses on and everything. <laughs> I pull out a textbook. <laughs> You're like, actually. <laughs> uh, you see here. <laughs> so um, so we open with, as we've mentioned, um, this poem that is sort of the the OG inspiration for the whole movie. And we're in like a ring of, of very witchy trees and they're all decorated with symbols of various holidays. And then we, the camera, dive into the pumpkin world. And we get just a classic opening number, This is Halloween, where uh, we get a little tour of Halloween Town and all the stuff that they do. And their thing what an is spooky opening. people. It is so, oh. I mean, we meet all the buddies. We know all of their deals. We're just ready to go. A lot of the songs in this thing are kind of sleepy to me. They're kind of just like Jack speaking okay, couplets. Wow. <laughs> but, but This is Halloween is one of the absolute bangers that like is on every Halloween playlist, you yes. know, and yeah. I'm sorry, this is all bangers as far as I'm concerned. Wow, okay. We'll get this into this it. film is all bangers. We'll get into it. But this opening song is just it takes you right there. Like Steph said, we meet all the buddies. We see their little we see what they do, their little jobs. It's mm-hmm. awesome. We the see clown like... with a tearaway face. I love it. <laughs> okay, so I am here... the wind when you call who's there. I mean, come on. <laughs> and okay, so I will say too, having written a parody of this song you really <laughs> notice how there is almost no, uh, there's like no rules to the song. There's no rules of rhyming. There's no rules of like how many beats are going to go in each line. Like Danny Elfman really fucks with a lot of the the measure of this song. And, that and that's what he does. Like he's spooky. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. Oingo yes. Boingo, right? He was, he's yes. Oingo yeah. Boingo, baby. He's Oingo Boingo. And let's not forget that Oingo Boingo wrote the movie musical in the 80s, Forbidden Zone, which makes also zero sense and is amazing to watch. <laughs> Um, so, so he's you know, consistent. They do their own thing. <laughs> right. They do their own damn thing. Not to mention the great uh, uh, song "Dead Man's Party," which features a Ugh, <laughs> features musically on. in uh, school. What's the movie called where Rodney Dangerfield goes back to school? Is oh, it called, yeah, oh it's, it's called, called Back, back to, school. to School. It's called yeah, Back to it's, School. It's actually it's a classic. It's called in a little uh, little <laughs> campus called the University of Wisconsin Madison. No oh, way. Yeah. yeah. Go Scotty Nation, right? Yeah. What can I say there? Go you Badgers. <laughs> Go, go go Badgers, right? That's the accent. So it's perfect. Yeah. Accent. Oh yeah. I mean that film that film should be an AFI top one hundred as far as I'm concerned. But you know, I guess this isn't the this isn't the place. All right. They won't to let say, me to talk that about story. that to make my argument. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so buddies that we meet here: Jack Skellington, the Pumpkin King, our protagonist. We meet the mayor who has a face on the back of his face. We meet the Oogie Boogie Man. We meet bunch of little halloween town buds we meet mm-hmm. sally the ragdoll we meet dr finkelstein the little duck man who else he is a little yeah, duck man yeah kind of is a duck evil scientist duck man all over 
Duckman, another uh, great Doctor show Duckman. from the 90s. Um, he, so the doctor, the evil doctor, I was like, oh, I know that voice from somewhere. Where do I know it from? And I finally figured out that he's the uncle from ni- from Christmas Vacation. Yes. Another great Christmas movie. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. The oh, one with okay. the cigar, right? That. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's the one so funny. Yeah. That's a character I hated as a kid, and now, now I appreciate mm-hmm. him. You truly, like, meet a lot of characters that you are never going to see again for the rest of the movie, like the clown with the But it's important to face. know their bits. Yes. It's important to know their little bits, because then when they're all getting together and their assembly lines and making their Christmas gifts, mm-hmm. you, you know, you get to see you get to see how little weirdos they are. And how they oh. get you know? to, like, put their gifts into use for helping yeah. the world. Yes. And they really believe in it. They're trying yeah, they so hard. They're, like, living, they are really, truly living their best little lives trying to spook everyone. This is an allegory for the arts, okay? <laughs> <laughs> because you believe it, you love your thing. It doesn't matter. Maybe, maybe you're not gonna be the famous Santa Claus. You're not maybe. gonna be the next big, you, you know, Jim Belushi. <laughs> all right, but now you believe it, and you did that. You did that for you, and you made it the way that you needed it to be, and so it's perfect. Exactly. And it'll find its little audience in your voice. Exactly. What is Christmas in your voice? You yeah. know, that's so empowering. 100%. Podcast over. I do want to say When they say find your voice, that's what they mean. We see, we do see them with all their gifts, but they would never call them gifts because, as we learn oh. later in this movie, they don't know what a present is. <laughs> Which I do respect. <laughs> Just point blank. <laughs> okay, so all of our buddies have gathered. They are celebrate. It's it's imminently after Halloween. They're celebrating. They're successful spooking. The only things that I have to highlight here are that in my head, well, first of all, Jack appearing out of the fountain is just like a great first appearance. Like what a reveal! What a reveal! It's beautiful, wow. and like later we're gonna call back to it when he comes back. So it's we get that like visual parallel. I love it. Um, but then also in my head, as a kid, and like maybe just in the world because I've seen a lot of people like dressing as her. Sally is like a thick girl, and that's not true. But like in my no, head, she's not. definitely a thick girl. But I in the movie, it's just that a lot of goth girls have dressed up as her. Yeah, but she I is like a is. little straw girl. Yeah, she's a little that's- okay. So, and what's more interesting about that to me is that we've watched this movie twice in the last 36 hours, and I still would have sworn that she's a thick girl. <laughs> right? Yeah. She got that thick she girl got energy. Calves. She, she does, does have calves. calves. She does have calves. Yeah. But she ain't got no booty, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Um, <laughs> okay. So, then Jack leaves the celebration to sing out his malaise in the pumpkin patch. He grabs his little ghost dog, Zero. Uh, and he is just going to sing about how he has really grown tired of this holiday and no longer sees the point of scaring people. Guys, what the hell? Oh, I mean, that's you lose the joy in your art. It's just and formulaic. you have to remind yourself, why are you doing it? But that says, so, Stephanie, that's something that actually Danny Elfman talks about in the movies that made us that actually this song in particular is very much a metaphor for how he felt being sick of performing with Oingo Boingo that he's like year after year this you know it's uh, you get tired of the screams you know and everything which is so funny mm-hmm. to picture people in 1993 screaming at an <laughs> Oingo Boingo concert like I would I would <laughs> I would have been there front row and center have you seen him recently he's ripped oh yeah I did is that something that we're gonna ripped. get to Danny Elfman is <laughs> no ripped? let's talk about it now <laughs> what make sure to talk about he's like 65 and he's ripped and he has like new tattoos 
Holy <laughs> shit. I highly suggest looking it up. Because he performed at like Coachella. He's yeah. just all it's tats awesome. and that like ginger mop. I mean, right. come I on. Yeah, I hope everyone. He's a dream Listeners sickle. take a moment. Oh, God. Listeners. Uh-huh. <laughs> dream sickle. Yeah. <laughs> Lick on that dream I mean, sickle. Yeah. He's orange and creamy. I can't argue with that. I'm telling <laughs> you. What can, what can you say? Whoa. Yeah. I didn't mean to. But you know, of course, I, you had to know asking me to be a guest on this podcast that I was going to turn it horns. Wait, is of course, that, yeah. you know. Does he have a big Jack Skellington on his chest? Oh, no, it's not. Okay, oh. never mind. What is it? I have he to know just, what you must No, it's well. So there's a the picture that I'm looking at has like a, a shadow, a microphone shadow that's sort of like blocking half of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I see it. Yeah, he has a lot of tattoos, and they do look fresh. They look they like look in the last couple years. That sleeve yeah, is beautiful. Yeah. These are all beautiful. So good job, Danny Elfman. He seems like he's really living yeah. his best life, or something. I mean, I don't know. Well, that's, that, I mean, that also right. could he's, be he's certainly a crisis something so sally watches jack sing jack's lament from the shadows she is clearly in love um and then she goes and picks some deadly nightshade to poison dr ducksworth which is not his name i <laughs> prove it um for a second i was like oh i guess that was like, i guess i never knew his name was ducksworth i thought thought it wasn't that i thought it was finkelstein or something i thought it was more subtle than that <laughs> Um, but yeah, Sally, Sally poisons him a lot. And then I used to do that at home with my soup all the time. When I was a kid. Spooky, spooky, <laughs> spooky kid alert. No, I would go worms, worms, <laughs> and pretend I was sick with poison. And my, my mom just let me sure. do it. No harm so. in it. All right. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just wanted to give everyone an inside a peek behind the curtain of the arch- it makes artistry. Sense. Portrait artist. It's doing the Princess Bride thing of like getting yourself used to it so that you yes. develop a worm's wart tolerance. Mm-hmm. That's how allergies work, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a nurse now, so I can I can improve that. You are and in nursing school. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. She's a nurse. Manifest it. No, 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 no. Don't okay, you like, dare diminish. Be, like, we're not jinx. Knock on everything. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, you're a nurse. Yeah. Um, the next <laughs> wow a nurse resident elect. nurse a nurse candidate yes. a nurse candidate that's nice. <laughs> yeah the next day jack and zero are taking a depression walk through the woods and they mm. stumble across the tree portals from the opening now i do have a question here because we did go through go that halloween tree at the start and yet yes. now they're able to just like walk up there mm. and i guess i don't have and a no one has ever hiked it. in the woods yeah, yeah. right no one's ever that's... gotten this far before yeah where is this mystical place that has the keys to every realm like the end of i all mean maybe realms. it's just like narnia where like if you happen to walk in the right way like you'll end up there just because you but so. like you gotta want it i mean mm. so it doesn't it. present itself unless you are like yes. ready to uh, be yeah. there Ready for or, another holiday experience. It's Brigadoon, and it arrives every, what, 40 uh, years? Is that it. what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, like, it. this is one of the most interesting things in the movie, and it's just used as a way to get him into Christmas, whereas, like, there's all these towns. Like, there could be a whole extra 15 to 20 minutes where he just goes through being like, oh, not this place, not this place, not this place. But instead, this movie, probably because it's stop motion, it took three years to make it 80 minutes. But they, uh, yeah, he doesn't do it at all. But it's very interesting. Wouldn't you kill to see him? Like learning about Easter and Leprechaun Flag Day, Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yeah. Well, bookmark that. I would have killed. Save that thought. (laughs) So Jack is entranced with a bright and colorfully decorated tree on a tree. And he opens the door and falls down into a magical Christmas wonderland where he's amazed by snow, 
color and wonder, and he becomes fascinated or hyperfixated, some might say, <laughs> with Christmas. What's this? Yeah, what's this is the song. A ba- an absolute banger. Mm. Absolute banger. Also, just a great celebration of snow. More things should celebrate snow like that. I think it's interesting how This Is Halloween is on all the Halloween playlists, but What's This is rarely on a Christmas playlist. Yeah, that's true. Mm, that's true. Good point. Dude, well, that, that's the classic debate with this film as a whole is, is it Halloween or Christmas movie? That's sure. why I watch it usually on Halloween day at the very night so I can transition from one to the nice. other. Nice. Yeah. It kicks you over. Yeah. You got to kick it over. It's the rite of passage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's like, um, ooh, you know what would be fun to be to watch it like during the fall back hour? Oh. oh. Then you're going to open a portal, Steph. <laughs> yeah. Then you'll see the doors. It might, it might be too powerful. That's, that's how the doors come. But so he sees a lot of elves. He sort of is going around like he's mystified by it. But in his mystification, he's also like destroying snowmen and like scaring yeah. the elves. And it's sort of like a little precursor for the fact that he's going to ruin christmas well he can't not be him okay right right this yeah, is the thing he gotta do jack yeah yep you can't not do jack this is how jack explores <laughs> and like maybe yeah. jack doesn't belong in this world you know what i mean but, but it's he like, don't see that yet yeah you know what it's actually also colonization <laughs> <laughs> he's colonizing christmas oh no so you think about that Fuck. yeah wow oh, that. he's actually white. shitty yep he's yeah. white and he's tall english yeah. He is coming in. He's colonizing um, the Christmas town, the Christmas villa. He's saying, "I see what you're doing. I'm going to do it better, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take it from mm-hmm. you. Yeah, I'm going to take. I'm going to take this thing invade. you care about. Yeah. He he sees a lot of elf men when he's in Christmas town, but also he's voiced by an elf man. Yeah. Do you see? <laughs> do you, like, elf do you think man, that's why you're man. so obsessed stuff with like spooky stuff? Because your last name Weber means spider. Yeah, of course. People are always saying, oh, so, oh, you spin a little spider webber is what people would say to me on the <laughs> kindergarten bus. And I remember even then saying that's not that clever. I mean, that's why I'm so obsessed with mucus, you know. Flam. Because of flam. Yeah. Yeah. So just saying. You know, Lauren, you're obsessed with po- Polish stuff. It's, uh, yeah. it, it, my last name, I think, translates to cabbage head. Okay, there you go. Honestly, there you go. <laughs> so little little Miss Cabbage, little Miss Cabbage, Cabbage Head. You know, yeah, she's all yeah. full of fiber. You just oh yeah, a nickname for life. Oh. <laughs> a thousand percent. I immediately yeah. regret this. <laughs> it could be purple cabbage. Oh, um, good point. Now it's better. Help? Purple is cute. I could do that. <laughs> all right. So right. Jack. Um, oh, so importantly here, we also get like a little. I just like these little scenes of uh, the townspeople who are looking for Jack while he's gone, um, and Sally trying to poison Ducksworth again. Mm-hmm. And, all in a day's uh, work. She's like a toxicologist, all, right? She's she's learning. She's, she's a regular an Cersei. An herbalist. Mm-hmm. So then Jack returns to Halloween Town, and he gives all of the citizens a little tour of Christmas. This is the town meeting song. Um, and they are excited, but Jack worries that they don't fully grasp the concepts that he's trying to explain to them, Mm -hmm. which are like fun and joy. And they don't. Jolly. And they don't. Because that's just not, that's not in their, that's not how they take in the world. What's funny about this to me is that he spends so much of the movie telling the people from Halloween Town, like, no, it's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be scary. It's supposed to be fun. And then at the end, he goes and gives all these scary toys to, to all the little kids. Like and he loves it. And he loves it. I think that yeah. was the best he could do. Yeah, you know? apparently. Again, yeah. he's filtering fun through him. And he's, you know, it's 
Which yeah. is why Santa Claus is so Sandy Claus. Claus. Yeah. You know? When he he's finally trying. meets Sandy Claus, he's like, oh, he doesn't have claws at all. He doesn't have any claws. <laughs> Sandy Claus. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jack secludes himself in his lab and performs experiments. Oh. Like, which we don't ever get, like, we just sort of get, like, the hint of, like, this is this what this kind of experiment might be. I um, love this part I love this. So much. It's like he's just, like, diving into... What makes Christmas things Christmassy? And he like, um, so he that like he has can... all these equations on a yes. chalkboard. That's and like... it's like equals it's like... mistletoe and stuff like that. <laughs> the and bubbles. Like, what does it mean? What does the it chemicals? mean? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love when he like open. He cuts the snowflake and he opens it up as a giant spider web. And it's giant spider web. Oh, because yes. Jack cannot not be Jack. Right. It's just in him. Um, I also I love that it's it's like um a very like neurodivergent way of like mm. no surely I can just like analyze the crap out of this and then I'll understand. I never thought about it like that, but I think that's why I I love that scene so much. It's like that idea <laughs> of chasing something passionately. Yeah, you know, yeah. curiosity turns to fanaticism a little bit, maybe. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, and that's you, you need to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. You have you're like you're hyper fixated or compuls- com- Impulsed. Yeah. Impulsive. Yeah. You won't leave Jack's the house. Autistic. Jack has ADHD in this scene. Oh, <laughs> totally. But like, who would diagnose him? The evil scientist? Yeah, he's not going to do it. <laughs> he would totally give him Ritalin under a door, he, though. Yeah, he'd yeah. give him Ritalin mixed with frog's breath. <laughs> yeah. So Jack ultimately comes to the conclusion that not only can he imitate Christmas perfectly, but he can improve upon it. And so he announces to the town that they're going to take over Christmas. What a white man. (laughs) Again, colonizing. (laughs) What a straight white man to say, I'm going to improve upon Christmas. So it's it's right around this time, too, that Sally has her little vision. So Sally does this, like, awesome escape. She's been locked in in a tower because, of course, she has. And she, like, pulls apart her limbs and throws them out the window and then lands on the floor and then sews herself back together it's just a great little moment of ingenuity um and she has a vision of a burning christmas tree and she worries that it's a bad sign it's really weird she's like she's holding a flower the flower turns into a christmas tree and then the christmas tree burns up and it's like not we don't really understand why it happens except that it seems like she's just having some sort of portent maybe it's like all of the herbs that she has been cultivating and growing and she just like happened to be holding like a combination of them and mm-hmm. like accidentally happened upon a little spell. It sounds Ooh. like Sally needs to go through that door for 420. Cultivating all those herbs, bro. Hell yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. So now we are um we're back in the town and Jack is rallying everyone to like do their little Christmas jobs. And they're making Christmas presents. They're um, animating skeletal reindeer. Sally is going to knit him a red and white Santa coat. Can't, wait, can we talk about the skeletal reindeer for a second? Because no. he just like, he, he, he draws them and he hands them to the scientists. And the scientist is like, yeah, I can do this. And then the next time we see it, there's flying skeleton reindeer who seem to have their own agency. <laughs> well, he animates them with the help of his Igor. And then I love it because he throws Igor a doggy treat. 
for the good job. <laughs> and he goes, catches it, and he's like, yum, yum, yum. You know, it's so Yeah, cute. what I have written here, too, is also Duckworth has an Igor. Yeah. Yes, he like, has an Igor. We never see him <laughs> before. We just line. get to meet him in this moment. <laughs> yeah. Master. Yeah. So good. And then he's the gone. The plans. It's like Come they on. forgot that for the rest of the script, that Igor <laughs> existed. And yeah, so I would have loved a not... lot more Igor. Yeah. Maybe the someone, like, complaint. stole the Igor um, model from the studio, oh, and then yeah. they couldn't film oh, anymore. yeah. Someone accidentally stepped on it, yeah. and then they're like, whoops. <laughs> Who let their Nine. dog in here? He ran off with Igor. <laughs> and so then, oh, so then we meet the trick-or-treaters, Lock, Stock, and Barrel. Um, did we talk fully before about how... They are also voiced by, um, so it's Paul Rubens, and then Catherine O'Hara, and then who's the third one? Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. Yeah. Then they just, like, it's just, like, them just having more fun. Love it. I do want to mention that this is sort of what you were, Lauren, you mentioned the ensemble cast of it all. Mm -hmm. And, like, this Mm -hmm. is what sort of makes me think that this would be a good stage musical. Yep. Is that, like, you could have, you know, the, the lead playing Sally, but then she runs in in a different costume and she's stuck. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. And it would all be fun. It would, any of the ensemble cast, I feel like I would almost have more fun playing you know the weird little skellies the little kids uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, that's just so that's, that's why this would be a great musical alive because you could any no role is a bad role yeah 100%. every role has a thing so it seems like they've done like staged concerts a couple of mm-hmm. times but not really anything or like that that or like there have been amateur attempts at uh-huh. doing a stage show but nothing like very a fish and big budget and that is That's just such a shame I, it's it seems like it's right there I mean, it's again. right it's right there they don't have to re- do any more music this and life adventures of santa claus would be a dream of mine <laughs> if a broadway producer <laughs> let me produce an adaptation of anything it'd be one of it'd be one of those two i'd flip a coin but it'd be one of those two like i while i do think that the jack would never look right like i said unless they took my idea and did it like you could do it like, like, yeah style. like yeah. avenue yeah. q and just have them all in black. They don't have to be in green like my dumbass was. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Which is in Chicago right now, and we uh, are not going to be able to make it to it. I'm sorry, guys. That's all right. Hey, but uh, oh. donate to our Patreon, and maybe we will next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we've met Lock, Stock, and Barrel. Lock, Shock, and Barrel? Or Stock? And two smoking Actually, barrels? I think it is shock. <laughs> I think it no, is shock. You're right. Because that's why I was like, I don't think the witch's name is stock. I think it is yeah, shock. It's not. It's yeah. shock, shock, and barrel. Lock, shock, barrel. So Jack tasks them to go kidnap Santa Claus. And he warns them not to include Mr. Oogie Boogie, who is their like <laughs> yeah, yeah. master. Um, yeah. But their daddy. Their daddy. Ooh. I that, that is what I wanted to say. Bone daddy. <laughs> Bone daddy. Bone daddy. I bug love daddy. them. They're yeah. bone daddy. Night um, bags. I mean, come on. <laughs> Wait, speaking of bone daddy, I have, a, I have a question that I feel like, Stephanie, you'll know the answer to. Is is the band from this movie in Corpse Bride? It feels like there's like an homage. But, you know, I mean, let's be mm-hmm. honest. Let's talk about the history of skeleton bands, skeleton jam <laughs> bands. They've been showing up since Mary <laughs> Melodies. I mean, you, you, you look at any like 1930s old cartoons, some of those like, what are those like Fleischman cartoons and stuff? There's so many. They're playing playing their ribs like a xylophone. Uh, you know, yeah, and, yeah, and of yeah. course in Franken and Bass's um, only Halloween special Mad Monster Party, there's also, there's a there's a skeleton and mummy band. Wow. A, no, mm-hmm. they're a skeleton band and they 
saying do the mummy. Okay. Oh, well, that so. makes it's, less uh, sense. It's just, a, just a, brief, a brief history. I mean, if you're going to have a band in your movie, it has to be skeletons. <laughs> it's a rich tradition. It's a rich tradition in cinema. I don't think that there's a single skeleton involved in the monster mash. You'd be surprised. So they're playing the instruments. Oh, okay. The skeletons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, you have to think about that. that they don't have, they have to rhythm. be the star of it. No. They're the unsung heroes. It's not about them. They're, they're, they're the, the bones. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that that Bobby Boris Pickett was a skeleton. That was 100% <laughs> yeah. true. That's why they called him Pickett, because he would uh, he look like a picket fence yeah. with all his bony bones. <laughs> bony parts. Yeah. Bony parts, bony. bony var. I mean, come on. Oh, okay. how about that? Mm. He's a skeleton. He's got to be. A, he's he's got to have a skeleton. He's a Wisconsin skeleton. Pay attention, sheeple. Yeah. Wake up. <laughs> Wake up, sheeple. Open your eyes. So uh, the trick-or-treaters are children, and so the only thing that they take away from this warning is, ooh, Mr. Oogie Boogie. So they take, they kidnap the Sandy Claus, and they bring him to the Oogie Boogie. And they sing that song, and they which sing is that, a lot of fun. they sing that song, Kidnap the, the Sandy, Sandy Claus. Claus which, like, it's such a, it needs to go on our Christmas list. Like, or That's a Christmas scary playlist. song. But it's such a bop. It is. Like, that's the only thing when I was a kid. I think that's the only part that did kind of scare me. That that their song because it, it, they, it they're so violent. Real. Yeah, they're so violent, and I was like, peace and love and spookiness. You know, <laughs> mm. I just want. Do you think it's because they're children that that makes that spookier? Because yeah. they're kids, mm. you know. Yeah, mm. felt so real. They're on my level. To me, it, it it is a little bit of the like like I love the the chorus of the song because it's just wonderfully like minor key and just like oh, weird God, yeah. like, yeah, not the sandy cloth but then a lot of the the verses of the song are kind of they suffer from what i think the less boppy songs of this musical have which uh-huh. is just sort of like we're talking in a couplet and we're rhyming with a thing and we're gonna rhyme in that that's true it's more rhythm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of beat poetry in, in this movie, which again though is a good uh, stage thing because that's the kind of thing that like high schools everywhere could really get into, and they would make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. The original Hamilton. Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> Lin Manuel owes everything to Nightmare Before Christmas, mm-hmm. and and like you can you can tell him rights. that. Tell him that. Yeah, <laughs> we will. Please, we will when we have him on. Please. You're welcome anytime, Mr. Miranda. <laughs> um, so Sally, uh, okay, so Oogie Boogie Man is, now has Santa Claus. Sally is, so Jack is, is now, like, dressed as Santa. Um, he got the, he, he stole Santa's real hat to complete his little Santa fit. Um, and now he is going to go off and do his Santa thing. And Sally tries to stop him by creating a thick magic fog. And Jack uses Zero's glowing red nose to light the way. You guys, it's it's the parallels. Which is, by the way, a jack-o'-lantern, which I did not realize until I read that. That Zero's nose is a little jack-o'-lantern. What? Did we all catch that? No. Z. What I will say is that I, I sort of expected there to be a subplot where the skeleton reindeer sort of bully Zero <laughs> and won't, won't let him be a part of their skeleton reindeer Aww. games until the fog happens and then they need Zero. I thought that would have been a nice little reindeer Rudolph parallel. And it seems like the kind of thing that they would like really do in the background. Yeah. Like but, it doesn't but, even need to be the A plot of a of a shot. Or there'd again, be a spin-off, like some Disney <laughs> ten yeah. minute. Yes, you know? yes. Yeah, it'd be a perfect uh pre uh the next Pixar movie. Exactly. <laughs> ten yeah. minutes of that, you know. <laughs> Sorry guys, it started storming here. 
And I don't know if that oh, no. affected oh, the no. internet. It looks bright as hell outside. Oh, I turned on the light. What? The modem's not on? Oh, I got in. Well, right. oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's spooky as all hell. Well, we Shit. are in Savannah. We're on Savannah, Georgia. I don't know if anyone knows that, so it is spooky scary. The ghosts are powering me through. So I, I, I've been um, hosting... Uh, ghost tours is like a, a part-time job down here. I heard. I'm, someone, someone took an amazing picture of a ghost on my tour the other day. Like straight up apparition outside of a building we went past. Is it like one of the orbs or is it no, like a face? No, I don't even know if you can see it if I post it We're talking here. Casper? I'm talking a Casper, bitch. <laughs> I'm talking a straight up Casper. I don't know if you can see it. Can you see this? Look at that. Oh, oh yeah. That Whoa. wasn't, that wasn't Girl, there. That's a form. That's a form. There was no one standing outside that. That looks like Oogie Boogie from here. Terrifying. Yeah. So I don't know if that makes good radio. You can probably edit all that out. But um. <laughs> so Zero is saving the day and allowing Jack to continue his trek around the world. Um, first, we get Sally's song. Oh, and all Sally's I have to say song. about that is Sally gets a song, but it's a really nice little song. So the pretty. band, the, the skeleton band is nice enough to uh, play along. While she sings, <laughs> they're also this. This rewatch is the first time that I really appreciated that not only is the bass a coffin, but that there is a guy inside of it who just talks. He, do- <laughs> he doesn't sing. They think of everything. That detail. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And it's yeah. very much Danny Elfman when you look at his face. It is very much based on Danny Elfman. <laughs> the tatted Danny Elfman or no, pre-tat Danny Elfman pre-tats. You only see his head anyway. He's not like, and by the way, I'm swole as hell under here. <laughs> he just like jumps up and like shows his pecs a little. <laughs> That's where it started. That is. That's where it started. We should have known. So Jack takes off around the world, spreading Christmas terror with, disaster, with disastrous results. Um, although he mistakes all of the screams for joy. We get yeah. a, a lovely little montage. He of gives like... a little boy the shrunken head from the waiting room in Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. He goes. Oh, yeah. There's like a wreath that comes alive and starts to eat stuff. There's a toy that looks like something the penguin would drive around in Batman Returns. Yeah. <laughs> the duck toy. And so um, a warning is put out on the human news of a Santa Claus impersonator. I love, and... by the way, I love the human news. It's the only news source I trust. Uh-huh. <laughs> And the citizens of Halloween Town are watching through like a cauldron yeah. portal thing that they have. Yeah. Um, and they rejoice because uh, they think that that means that Christmas is a success. Yeah. But Sally recognizes that there's problems and she's like, who can fix this? I know Santa Claus. I'll go save Santa Claus. But instead, she too is captured by Mr. Oogie Boogie. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about it. She she saves Santa Claus by taking off her leg and making it stick through a door, like you. <laughs> Very <laughs> sensual. And, he loves and this it. this yeah, this fucking foot freak goes over. Not not, not kink shaming. If you love feet, I'm glad for you. But this fucking foot freak goes over there, <laughs> <laughs> and he starts tickling the foot, and he's way into it. He's and so then uh, yeah, and then he realizes it's not connected to anything, and he gets furious. He's no longer into Which it. Which I think that would think that would be a foot fetish's best case scenario. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He wants it to be connected. That's that's what they say. If you want to sell pictures of your feet, it's not just your feet. Like your your face does have to be in it in some way. Just word to the wise. Um, they like they like that. They like to know it's connected to a human woman. Or they want to see where it came from. Yeah. To know it's mm-hmm. organic feed. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's a classic Steph Weber sex work tip. It's a total package here. <laughs> 
Okay, so back in human world, artillery cannons are firing on Jack. They destroy his sleigh, and uh, both the police and the people of Halloween Town assume him dead. Now, what I want to know is who this has happened, like, in between there. Who is this person whose job it is to go through the town on a foghorn <laughs> announcing that Christmas is officially canceled because, like, Santa Claus is running late? Who- like, I love the idea of this policeman who goes through updating everyone on a case. Right. <laughs> through a bullhorn <laughs> and he's just like we have not captured the man and also i love the fact that this this police are getting all these calls like yeah what's that it's not santa someone else is in your house we'll send you know this right is away. our second toy call this night what <laughs> <laughs> yeah so then they blast him out of the sky which again that had to go through like norad or something so like they're, <laughs> they're calling everyone they're like no that's right it's not santa it's someone else yeah. Okay. We'll sh- we'll blast him right out of the sky. No worries. You military Bring him down. Yeah. yeah. We will. We will murder him for the for the crime of giving people a scary duck. Yeah. The war room was on fire that night. They were all <laughs> an emergency. <laughs> the second they see him blasted out of the sky in the spooky cauldron TV, yeah. the mayor goes goes through goes through town on a bullhorn, going, "Jack's dead. He's been blown to smithereens." I love that. I love the inflection. There. I would love um, the minute that I die. I would really love one of you to go through town yelling, "Jack's dead. She was blown to smithereens." smithereens. <laughs> Thank you. We'll do that for you. So Jack wakes up in a graveyard. He, like the dramatic goth that he is, has the dramatic goth realization that he does really get joy from being spooky. So good. And he tears off his Santa suit. He declares himself Pumpkin King again. And then hurries back to Halloween Town to release Santa. Yeah. Um, And he enters Oogie Boogie's lair. I don't know how he knows. Because the graveyards are all apparently connected. They'll take you back to Halloween Town, it appears. Because remember, he goes into like a crypt. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is. Pretty cool. Thank you. I, I do also want to mention real quick, we did sort of brush over the Oogie Boogie song itself, which is a great song. It's a good song. It's a great it's villain a great song. There was we a... did. How, even had it in there. Well, it, the Oogie Boogie song is the like... Oogie Boogie song. It's one of my three. favorites. He's yeah. such a delicious villain. Yeah. You know? The, yeah, he's he got that Cab Calloway kind yes. of feel. Which, I don't know if you know this, Lauren, but that's exactly what he's based on. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, well, that makes sense to me. Like how they would like <laughs> rotoscope Cab Calloway into Betty Boop cartoons. And, like, make him a walrus, you know what I mean? Uh, And so, and there was some worry that it was, like, there was worry about racism. Like, there was worry about, is this weird? Especially, like, the phrase Oogie Boogie is, like, often, like, used by, I don't know, people who, like, hate jazz because it's black people. They call it Oogie Boogie music, you know? And so, and so, like, there was, like, some worry about that, but it turns out no one has ever cared. Because like, it's a banger of a song, I guess. Yeah, including the banger. black performer who voices Oogie Boogie. Oh, there you go. Oh. Who, by the way, just a little piece of trivia, originated Old Deuteronomy on the Broadway version of Cats. The voice what? of Oogie Boogie. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, his name is Ken something. Uh-huh. Ken something. It's Ken Page. He's in, He also has a song in some other musical that I was being shown a scene of, and I went, that's Dream Oogie Boogie. Girls? Nope. All dogs go yes, to heaven. Yes, all dogs go to heaven. Okay, oh, that movie. Yeah. He's King Gator, and yep, all dogs go is, to heaven. He's King Gator. Wow. Yeah. So enjoy, <laughs> listeners. Enjoy us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jack is racing back to save Christmas for real this time. He gets to Oogie Boogie's lair just as Oogie Boogie is about to kill Santa and Sally. Um, they have a, a very fun fight sequence. I think it's just like 
cute and it's got all this like gambling motif. Yeah, I don't understand why all of a sudden Oogie Boogie has a playing card motif. Because he's been gambling. Yeah. Okay. It's right. it is very gamble card with like um what was mm-hmm. that song? Minnie the Moocher. Minnie the Moocher. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a song from um, another musical that we'll be covering on this show, <laughs> The Blues Brothers. Oh, okay. oh love on. the oh, Blues come Brothers. On. So good I'm from, from the Juliet. There. All right. So Jack wins the fight by pulling on a loose thread in Oogie Boogie's skin, and all the bugs that make up Boogie's body fall out. Uh, quote, rendering him helpless is the dispassionate way that the Wikipedia summary put it, which I just liked. Rendering him helpless. My bugs. My My bugs. Um, I I guess I want to mention here that, so originally there was this ending where he unmasks Oogie Boogie and it turns out he's Dr. Ducksworth, the evil scientist. And Tim Burton hated it so much that he kicked a hole in the wall of their animation studios (laughs) when they pitched it to him. Did, Did he say why he didn't like it? I, I guess he just wanted Oogie Boogie to be Oogie that Boogie. That would kind of make sense. There is a bit of an homage, I wonder, uh, to the fly with that part, mm. the original fly, where he's a little bug and he's going, help me, you know? And I <laughs> felt like when when it, we're down to that last bug and he's like, nah, nah, I, it reminded me of that. There's also something about it being like, at, it's, it doesn't like dissolve down into a Scooby-Doo thing where like there's a, a dude pulling like a bunch of uh, animatronic strings or whatever, but like it is actually something cr- creepy crawly yeah. with like a layer of magic on top. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I like it where Oogie Boogie's his own thing. Like it would have made sense to have Finkelstein be like a giant villain, but I like it this way. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I also like that um, we haven't really talked about Finkelstein's like stuff through this other than that he looks like a duck mm-hmm. um but he the whole time is working on this project and like we don't really know what it is and then in the end it turns out that it's like a version of himself that is a girl yeah and that's right i kind of like that for him like i don't, I don't know why i kind of like that for him it's creepy as shit <laughs> well not to danny elfman this too much but he's just weird sciencing himself a, a thousand woman. Percent. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Because he, because well, that's, that's what Sally was supposed to be, but Sally right. has disobeyed him too many times. But she's too thick for me. I needed <laughs> someone who looks more like a duck. <laughs> she needs to be bald. Yeah, <laughs> more of a brain. More of a brain. Exposed. She should have part of my frontal lobe inside of her. <laughs> I really just want to fuck myself. Uh, they're in lobe. Yeah. They're oh. in lobe with each other. Oh, gross. It was lobe at first sight. <laughs> That's so cute. It was Lisa uh, Lobe at first uh. sight. You <laughs> say uh, you only hear who you want to. You know, okay. <laughs> you only date who you want to. Oh, that's right. One of Steph's first characters that it's I true. ever saw her do it's was true. Lisa Loeb. It's a classic of mine. Lisa Loeb doing uh, karaoke to her own song. Lisa Loeb at a karaoke bar, mad that people aren't more appreciative of the fact that yeah, she's Lisa Loeb at a karaoke be happy bar. She's there. <laughs> <laughs> so everything resolves up nice and quick here. Jack apologizes to Santa, who races off to fix Christmas, uh, and then confronts Sally and realizes her feelings for him. We see Santa Claus flying around the world fixing stuff. He and Jack exchange a happy Halloween, Merry Christmas. Santa brings snow to Halloween town. Everybody gets to have a a what's this moment because snow is the most magical thing. And then we close on Jack and Sally singing to each other because they're in love in the snow. Beautiful. A little little spooky goth bow. The snow, that scene with the Mm -hmm. snow and the moon with them. It's just like that Mm -hmm. perfect last image where you're taking that curiosity but putting it into your own 
voice in your own world and i think it's really poignant it's an inversion Mm -hmm. of jack's solo song that we saw it's just beautiful Mm -hmm. come on her version and i mean they get to stand on their little swirly thing against the moon which we see in steph's Mm -hmm. uh, zoom background yes it's so cute the one rule that uh, apparently Henry Selleck or one of them, maybe the art director, Rich something, uh, brought in was like, no right angles in Halloween Town. There should be no right angles. I Everything love it. It's be... very German expressionist, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. I think that's actually what it was. Yeah, I did know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I totally knew that. We all knew that, I actually, I... by the way. Mm-hmm. What do you want to um... say now, Andy? Rick Heinrichs. That's, that's who I want to talk about. Rick, Rick Heinrichs was one of the big uh, art consultants on this, and he was too busy working on Batman Forever to like be the actual art director, but he, he has a lot of the major input of this. Mm. Let's talk about... So, obviously, if we were to talk about rebooting this movie, it would be mm. nearly impossible, right? But the one thing that I think about, and the only way that I think you not even could, because I don't think it should be done, but the one way that I think Disney would reboot this movie as they've been doing with all their movies lately, mm-hmm. is as a live-action reboot, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I guess let's talk for a second about if there's any casting that you that jumps to the top of your mind for any of the parts of this movie. Anya Taylor-Joy can play wow. Sally. That would be really great. She just has that mm-hmm. sort of aloofness. Mm-hmm. That uh, the ethereal quality, the giant eyes. She looks scary as hell. Do Make her do that. She looks like she could like throw her limbs. Yeah across a room if she wanted to. Yeah. I don't know why, yeah. but she does look like that. She could do that, no problem. I, I mentioned to Steph yesterday that I could see Billie Eilish Cause she's as, <laughs> as oh. Sally. Well, but then, yeah. I swear to God, after that, we were looking up the concert versions and we learned oh. that Billie Eilish has sung Sally's a Sally song. live in concert. Yeah. Great choice. So she could, um, yeah, she could very well do it. But other than that, I mean, I don't know what you'd do with I don't these know. Guys. I don't know who the heck could play Jack. I feel like it would have to be someone like a Doug Jones, someone that could really get into the physicality. Because how do you find someone tall enough to Doug be Jones like that? Is a but Doug call. Jones would be that spindly. He's just done mm. so much with physical character. Yeah. He's the only person I could think of. If you don't know who Doug Jones is, he recently won an Alabama senatorial race uh, over that pedophile Roy. God bless. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a different Doug Jones. The, the, the Doug Jones we're talking about uh, played uh, uh, the fish yeah. in uh, The Shape of Water, and he played the fish in Hellboy. <laughs> he plays a lot of fish. Well, sort of what I'm thinking of that, that sort of does look like Jack Skellington is uh, the characters from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the episode Hush, where they can't talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Doug Jones is sort of the lead gentleman who sort of just, you know, he looks all spindly and tall and weird. Mm-hmm. That's a great call. I think Doug Jones could do it. Or the like, he was the hands in Pan's Lab. I was just right? going to say. Yeah. 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 Also very spindly. Well, you guys know this, that whenever they do a remake of a movie, a musical, they always throw Wait, in. I'm sorry. Before we move on, yeah. it's really important. He's Billy Butcherson in Hocus Pocus. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been in everything. There you go. He's so versatile. So you guys know this, that yeah. whenever they remake a musical, one of the things they always do is they, they put a new song in it to try and win that coveted Best Original Song Oscar, uh, which, by the way, I didn't even look up if this was nominated for anything. Uh, I think it was, and I think it lost to Jurassic Park, I want to say. It's Jurassic Park. There are dinosaurs. (laughs) That song? Uh, Nominated for visual effects, but that's all. It was not nominated for any music or songs whatsoever, which is wild. That is actually surprising. Highway robbery. Who won in that year? 
It must have been, oh, for a song? Yeah. Was that 1994? Uh, let's see. It would have been The Streets of Philadelphia by Bruce Springsteen from Philadelphia, which is fair. What? No, it's not fair. But you know yes. what's, what's funny, Steph? You were right on with your time because sure enough, Beethoven's second was nominated for best song. You better believe Whoa. it. You better believe it. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. So anyway, so uh, so that's what that's what we do on this podcast is I'm, I'm always presenting a new song uh, that uh, could be added to this to get that best original song nomination. <laughs> Uh, now, this is the first one that I'm presenting on the podcast that is actually a reprise of a previous song, which is my way of saying that it's a parody of a previous song, which is my way of saying that this is a song that I wrote for a live show last year mm, okay. <laughs> that I'm reusing for this podcast. Uh, and so it's a lot broader than some of the other songs that I've done on the podcast, if you can believe that. And uh, I guess I'll just leave it at that and say that uh, this is a song that takes place... at. I think, Steph, what I, what I would say is that this would be a post-credits song, right? Mm. This would be the mm-hmm. first ever post-credits Nightmare Before Christmas scene where credits would come back up and Jack would be talking to his skeleton children in the future, right? Ooh, yeah. The Knowing what I know about the contents of the song, this really seems like a song that he would sing to his children. Right, <laughs> right. Okay. All right, so let's go into it. I'm going to play it for you guys and okay. let you hear it. We'll, we'll come back on the other side of it. No need to meet yourself during this, but here is... Uh, a song, eh, maybe it's not too broad, but this song is called Motherfuck Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> In the intervening years since my travels to Christmas Town, I've journeyed to all the other holiday towns, and guess what? They're all better than Halloween! Boys and girls non-binary too Come I'll show something special to you There were many other doors on that fateful eve And they all were better than Halloween So I hate Halloween, motherfuck Halloween It sucks all other holidays, dicks You are grown-ups, get dressed to grow the fuck up Or have the balls to dress like this any other night So come with me on my journey To every town that's better than Halloween I went through the door for Valentine Sally came too, we had quite a time Every activity more loving than the next And it's the one time of year she lets me have butt sex So I don't need Halloween, motherfuck Halloween It cannot compete with anal sex I went through the door for 4th of July Wondrous fireworks blazed in the sky Or was that U.S. drones bombing a Yemen wedding? This hot dog's so good that I just keep forgetting! (laughs) Then there was a day for which to celebrate my mother I called my mom up just to tell her that I loved her I took the whole day just to celebrate my mom Which means she bought me lunch and slipped a 20 in my palm Say it once or say it twice. Halloween is not that nice. You don't get egged on Labor Day. Everybody scream. Everybody scream because we don't need Halloween. I went through a street called Martin Luther King. I'm so sorry I'm in the wrong neighborhood. I'm just going to be going. Let me just grab that little doorknob. <laughs> I went through a door for Secretary's Day. I gave her a card instead of more pay. I went through a door for St. Patrick's. I'm so sorry, I'm in the wrong neighborhood. No need to reach under the bar. I'm good. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to grab that old door. 
I went through a door for turkey day After dinner my cousin came out as gay My grandpa stood up and said slay But sit your gay ass down, you're blocking the game I went to a town with a clock on the door And the time was set to twenty past four They shared with me brownies and the herb of their land And all I had to do was listen to their shitty band <laughs> Sounds great, Cody! I'm just gonna take a nap. I'm just gonna take a nap right here. <laughs> so motherfuck Halloween. I don't need Halloween, but I'm still kind of high. Can I have some candy, please? <laughs> wow. There it is. Motherfuck Halloween. Uh, a musical the movie. The po- <laughs> well, not a musical the movie. The podcast original, but certainly you heard it here first, probably. Amen. Uh, Hats off, Andy. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that's, uh, you know, as always, great time to mention that the only place that you can hear the songs that we write here for Musical the Movie the Podcast is at our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumbfun, which is the uh, Patreon for the entire Dumb Fun family of podcasts, which includes not only Musical the Movie the Podcast, 30 characters, mm. but also uh, Fanny Falls Demon Hunter, the show that I do with Stephanie Weber, where we play uh, washed it's up so stars good. of a 90s TV show, talking about what it was like to do the show, playing clips from the show that I have painstakingly assembled yeah. from everyone's uh, reading of the scripts that I send out, yeah. along with sound effects and original music. A uh, lot there. There's a lot there. Uh, and, uh, and so check that out. Next week, we are doing an episode called Mall of Ascarica. Uh, where the gang gets trapped in a haunted mall and uh, Steph, you and, and Mandy yeah. McAlvey's characters switch bodies. Oh, yes. Uh, which is a, a lot of fun. That was a fun one. Uh, that was a fun one to record when the edible was kicking in, too. I, <laughs> couldn't re- I had trouble remembering what I was, what, which, who I was. There are takes, <laughs> I, I have takes of, of you reading your lines where you're just like, you're just like, yeah, come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Why am I saying that so weird? God, I think this edible is kicking in. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, time. it's it's a great it's Steph. I love doing that show with you. You're so it's funny so fun. on it. And like we we tell you I everyone mean, at home. I just want to like as an outsider say that Steph Weber's performance on this podcast is unhinged genius, it's and incredible. you're it's it's just incredible. It is. British. Andy's also is wonderful. Yeah, I, it's I, so good. It is British. Uh, it is British. I, I might be and, but, might be confused. Truly, I like never know what she's gonna throw at me. Aww. Like we we always have a little seed of something that we're gonna throw at each other, but we don't know what we're gonna say, and then and then it's just unhinged. Uh, it's so much fun. Stephanie, do you have anything else you want to plug? It's pre- I guess pretty much that you know. Okay. Pretty much that I have I have a newsletter called Sven Gurley. It's a su- it's a Substack um, where I just write a lot of my thoughts about pop pop culture um i did a recent piece about ghost pictures it's before i had that other ghost picture i showed you guys um mm-hmm. talk about survivor things like that so just whatever i want so if you like to read you can do that you can subscribe if you enjoyed steph's thoughts on spooky uh stuff and movies in general here you'll enjoy Sven Gurley. and uh and what about you lauren i think just machete just yeah. come to the paper machete come hang it is so good. Everyone needs to know this. It's the best. Oh, yeah. Steph and Andy, both of you fucking crushed yes, whenever you guys are on show. there. I um, love that great. show. I've talked about it down here in Savannah, Georgia to people. Then, like, if you ever go up there, you got it. You got to see it. Oh, and, and it's only free. that. And then leave. Three to and five. And it is. Yeah. Uh, it's at three o'clock on Saturday. Is at the Green Mill, uh, mm-hmm. which is Al Capone's Cocktail old favorite lunch. bar. Yeah. So it's and the sexiest bar in Chicago. 
You guys have a fun time. <laughs> You're gonna get laid if you go. You're gonna get it's laid. inevitable. I believe it's that I'll 3 be there. It's 3 p.m. on a Saturday. You're gonna get Let's laid. Let's get drunk. That's my favorite version of Piano Man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I believe that I'll be there December 10th doing a character. Ooh. Uh, so if you want to see both of us come out December 10th, otherwise go any yeah. Saturday. Uh, it's always one of the greatest times in Chicago. Uh, Stephanie Smith, what would you like to plug? Oh, I haven't thought about it this time. I guess I would like to plug um, watching the movie Home Alone mm. on Thanksgiving evening um, every year for the rest of your life. Okay. Which you do. That's so it's a genuine plug. Yeah. You do That's that good. every year. So just go just yeah, in, in 362 days, just do that. Mark it in your calendar yeah. now. I'll say that uh, uh, this weekend, uh, the first weekend of December, in both Louisville, Kentucky, and Chicago, Illinois, is the Muppet Roast, where uh, we will be doing. It's the Muppet Roast. <laughs> we will be doing a uh, character assassination roast with all Muppet characters, and uh, it's going to be a great time. I'm playing the Count and uh, hosting both shows in both cities, and uh, it's going to be at the Bardstown Theater in Chicago, or sorry, in Louisville, and it's going to be at the Laugh Factory in Chicago. And uh, other than that, I just uh, impeach you. Is that the word? Implore. I implore. Thank you. <laughs> no, no. You know what? I impeach you because you, you guys, you guys have not been Beseech checking out our you. Patreon, and so I'm I must impeach uh, this as a crime. Uh, but it, no, I think actually beseech and implore were the two things that I that I did get mixed up there. So uh, please check out our Patreon for dumb fun family of podcasts. It, you know, it's been uh, going fine. It could be go. Be- it could it could be go better. And, um, and I bequeath are... all of you to do that as well <laughs> while we're here. And, and I queef all yeah, of you. Yeah, I bequeath you all to do it. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Well, uh, what a great place to uh, to wrap up. <laughs> uh, thank you, Lauren and Stephanie. So much fun having Y'all you guys on. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, for the for listener, uh, we will be back in two weeks where we will be talking about the classic Bing Crosby? Snow, snow, snow. Is it Bing yeah. Crosby? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye movie, White Christmas, mm. uh, with our friend Ashley Lyston. Also, and, Rosemary and Clooney. And, and, oh, love Ashley. Beautiful. Yeah, with Ashley Lyston and Rosemary Clooney. We'll be talking about White oh, Christmas. Right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, check us out then, and uh, we appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yay. Thank you. Bye. 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 Go spook someone. Pleasant nightmares. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast with Andy and Steph. Fun dumb.